Richard Radio begins in three, two, one. White privilege is just an acknowledgement that our world is uneven. We live in a country that's unequal. All human beings share solidarity. All of us are made in God's image equally and therefore worthy of dignity. We're all ruined and rebellious against God and therefore calls us solidarity in sin. And we all need the same Savior. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Waiting, just waiting. It's the Wretched Radio Mail Call Delivery Bag Q&A Infotainment Nationwide Extravaganza featuring your voicemails, correspondences, communiques, dispatches, memorandums, and missives. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? What we need right now is a clear message to the people of this country. You have 1,200 messages. It is a bit above average. Now here's your host, Todd Freakishly Tall Friel. The mail is here! Ooh, this is Wretched Radio waiting for you to send questions, comments, conundrums, snarks to idea at wretched.org. And hey, as long as you're at your social media machine, you see something wretched, a story, an article, news, a sermon, and aren't there plenty of wretched sermons? Please send it to idea at wretched.org. We're waiting. And we start with uh, Jalen today, who says, Todd, I plan on asking a girl at my church out on a date. She's about my age, 24, and she has a two-year-old son. Do you have any advice uh, of how I should think before I ask her out and for the long term, considering she has a son? Well, as a matter of fact, I might have a suggestion or two. Um, When you have a child in view, uh, that gives you all the more reason to do things in a proper order. If you're going to ask her out to simply check out, are we kind of groovy and we're getting along and maybe we should think about, I don't think you're doing things in the right order. Instead, I would encourage you (laughs) investigating an individual who has a child or doesn't work from the inside out. If you just go dating, you're working from the outside in. How do they hold their fork? Do they chew with their mouth open? Are they funny? What kind of humor do they like? Do they want to go see the same kind of movies? That's all interesting, but it's not the important stuff. You want to get to the heart of the matter. What's their character? What is their faith like? How mature are they? How godly are they? Do they love Jesus more than anyone? You you want those things established first. So if you haven't done that, I would say that is step one without dating. In other words, to spend some time with her somehow, even with, now this, this is going to sound really old-fashioned, maybe even with somebody who can help you to determine Do each of you have the biblical qualifications for marriage? If you establish that, then you can talk about carefully going about exploring if you believe that you might be compatible till death do you part. And I would encourage you to until you really start getting close to, yeah, I think so. I don't think that you should be introducing yourself to her son. He's going to start knitting his heart to you. And if it doesn't work out, things go kafritz, you break up. Well, then you've got three wounded individuals. So do this orderly work from the inside out, whether you are considering dating somebody with a child or not idea. And you know what? 
as long as this 24-year-old has brought up the subject of asking a girl at your church for a date. Salute to you, dude. Too many young men, I think we've discovered some of the reasons why, but too many young men are actually afraid, not hesitant, afraid to ask a girl out. Now, remember, this does not disqualify the aforementioned opinion that I have about how to proceed with finding a spouse, but they are, they're actually scared that this could lead to disaster. They might get married, have a divorce. Everything will be ruined. My schooling will be put off. All of those fears need to be overcome. It doesn't mean you stop being prudent and you become reckless. But if that describes you, young man, you need to address it. Get on it. Go after it. Figure it out. Why am I actually afraid of a woman? Why am I afraid of marriage? Why am I afraid of a lifelong till death do you part commitment? Find an older man who can help you and encourage you and let some people who have been married for decades and are thrilled to pieces encourage you. This is a good institution. This is a great configuration for a man to be in a one flesh relationship with a woman. Why? Because God created this ideal. Figure out why you're stumbling so that you can enjoy this. You don't need to be afraid. You need to be wise. You need to be thoughtful. Have wisdom as you approach it. Do it in an orderly fashion. But the last thing you should be is scared, uh, nor should you be scared to send whatever you want to idea at wretched.org. All right. Uh, moving on to Emmanuel, who says, uh, or wonders, Todd, should forgiveness include forgetting the offense? Not necessarily. Yeah, he says, it's, is it reasonable to remember and be cautious yes. to avoid being taken advantage you of? You bet. Yeah. Absolutely. Trust is an interesting subject. I think, I think it was Dr. Lou Priolo that I heard talking about the issue of trust. It is hard won. If you've blown that, you don't get it back straight away. Somebody is, they're, they're in perfect right standing to say, hold on, I can't let you get in that close because last time you're going to have to earn that back. Now, whether it's verbalized or not isn't the point. But if you've biffed it with somebody, don't be annoyed with them if they aren't as quick to go, oh, okay, fine, let's go. Like all things are well. Now, having said that, we also need to be careful. There are degrees of offense. There are there are depths of wounds. There are many sins that we should simply overlook. I'm serious. Just not even whatever. I, I don't need an apology. Whatever. Sinners are going to be sinners. And for all of those people that sin against you, don't worry. You're sinning against them. We let so much stuff go. At least we should as Christians. Then there could be the level of, uh, hey, friend, brother, whatever it is, um, this thing keeps happening or this one thing happened and I have to tell you how it has affected me and and that it how it has affected our relationship. Then there can be some things that are done that are so bad that you absolutely separate from them immediately for the sake of safety. 
or you have worked toward trying to reconcile to the degree where you can actually have a relationship, but they persist in willfully sinning against you, then you can actually protect yourself and separate from them. So be mindful of the degrees before you go about the business of giving somebody the stiff arm. Idea at wretched.org. All right, this is from Cole. Todd, I want to grow in biblical counseling in order to help other men in my church. But <laughs> Go ahead, keep going. <laughs> but my time is limited due to my nursing studies and work as an EMT. So what are some practical steps or resources I can utilize to pursue growth in biblical counseling within my time constraints? Yeah, that's fair enough. The first thing that I would encourage you to do, and I know that this might feel like a really big bite, go to ACBC biblicalcounseling.com, biblicalcounseling.com, so that you can see what it looks like to actually get certified. They have a training program and they will march you through it. And they're going to do it in a way that is probably better than what we would each concoct for ourselves. Because I would be inclined, okay, I know somebody who's dealing with fill in the blank emotion. I'm going to go read that book and then boom, Well, that's fine. And I would actually recommend that if you don't have time to get certified, then do that. Start reading biblical counseling books at your own pace. You, You will not regret doing that. It will benefit you and others. But if you go to ACBC, biblicalcounseling.com and get certified, you're going to understand biblical counseling and the process and the steps and the eight eyes of biblical counseling. Which, incident, whatever happened to that book? That's weird. I just read a book. Where is this book? I just read a book by Wayne Mack. It's The Eight Eyes of Biblical Counseling. I don't think that's the title, but that's what it covers. What did I? <laughs> Who are you? Who are? What am I doing here? When I find the book, I'll share it with you. But it helps you to understand that there's more to it than just saying, oh, you've got a malady. Here's your Bible verse. Get on with it. You have to establish some things. There must be a relationship. You need to make sure that you are forming some sort of a bond. From whom do you receive wisdom better? A complete stranger, somebody that you Zoom with, or somebody who says, I care about you and I'm in this, man. Let's do this. I care. I'm invested in you. So these would be the steps that you would take, starting with building our relationship. You need to make sure that you are asking the important questions, how to ask questions, how to reinterpret what they believe their malady is, how to look for root and not for the fruit, how then to download, having identified the root, not the fruit, how to go about educating And then encouraging, exhorting them, and then integrating them into their church. All that to say, you can read some books, so find books on your subject matter if that's that's what you can do. But if you really want to get involved in biblical counseling, biblicalcounseling.com is the big step that you can take. And please note this. I don't know exactly what their timeline is, but it's like you got a long time to get it completed. I mean, like. A really long time. That might be the path for you. And I would salute you if you do, because I got to tell you, dude, you hang out your shingle at church. (laughs) You're going to have a queue outside your door. This is Wretched Radio. 
some good news. Two encouragements from the Tomorrow Clubs. They have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in Eastern Europe, but now they've expanded to Africa and the kids are swarming the Tomorrow Clubs. They have never seen greater attendance than the hundreds of new clubs that they are opening up in Africa. That should encourage all of us. The gospel is going forth and reaching kids in unreached places. Encouragement number two, would you like to become a Tomorrow Clubs ministry partner? Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched, tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. You know, what used to be a movie is now our sad reality. We're living in a world that's gone absolutely bonkers. So much so that six mads just aren't enough to describe it. Social media may be bombarding us left and right. Our Christian worldview may be under assault, but we have the dynamic duo of Todd Friel and Dr. Nathan Buznitz, and they're coming to the rescue with Wretched Worldview 2, tackling 22 of those pesky, thorny contemporary issues through a biblical lens helping us to defend the biblical view on things like sexuality and gender, critical race theory, modesty and apparel, persecution, secular entertainment, environmentalism, 22 issues to be exact. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to wretched.org, grab your copy of Wretched Worldview 2. And hey, while you're there, snag that study guide too, because it's the perfect companion for navigating this mad, 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 mad world with wisdom and grace. Confession, normally numbers aren't my favorite subject, but these numbers make me happy. MediShare is affordable biblical health sharing with twice the satisfaction rate of MediShare members versus traditional health insurance plans. The average family saves $500 per month. Over $3 billion worth of medical bills have been shared among MediShare members, which by the way, MediShare has been around for a quarter of a century. Don't forget, telehealth is available at MediShare and it will take you two minutes to receive a quote to see what you and your family could be saving every single month with MediShare. Affordable biblical health sharing. Please spend a very worthwhile two minutes at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Important dates in Christian history. 1678. John Bunyan's The Pilgrim's Progress is published. Written while Bunyan was in prison for preaching the gospel, this allegorical tale of the Christian life becomes second in international circulation, exceeded only by the Bible. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is Wretched Radio. Don't mean to brag or nothing, but I was right. That's right. 
I was right. Talking about All Creatures Great and Small. It is a remake by the BBC. Mrs. Freel and I watched it a bit ago. And I mentioned it seems really devoid of Christianity and the church. Any talking about the Bible. Because the book was written decades ago. And it's really a sweet kind of story. There's nothing racy involved. The scenery is da bomb diggity. But I thought, huh, I wonder if the original book in the original series is that Christless. Well, I received an email sent to idea at wretched.org from Debbie stating, let me just, let me just savor this for a moment. Freel, you were right. Ah, it does have more Christianity in the original series. Isn't that fascinating? So now, even as you watch an updated version of All Creatures Great and Small, and you can enjoy it because it's just, it's not racy fair. Isn't it interesting? They stripped Christianity out of it. In fact, quite honestly, they made it sort of a ecumenical affair. This just would this just would not have happened the way that they are portraying it these days back in, say, the 40s when the series was actually written. Nevertheless, the bottom line is. Say it with me now. I was come on. Todd was right. Thank you. Please keep <laughs> sending affirmations to idea at wretched.org. All right. This uh, this question that I'm going to start with is from Anonymous. And I, I know it's not going to have the information that, uh, it, well, you'll want some more information, but I think generally you can answer the question. It says, uh, regardless of church or regarding church discipline, is it common for churches to vote members out due to public sin and lack of attendance? La, the lack of public sin, sure. Mm-hmm. Lack of attendance starts, of course, with virtually everything, there needs to be a little bit of coloring of the issue. But if somebody is persistently not attending a church, yes, it is for their safety. You got to, the elders, good elders are going to go find out why. They are going to call. They're going to send letters. And if after a reasonable and most churches that are good and sound and they desire to be biblical by enforcing church discipline principles, they're going to pursue it hard. Hey, we've been trying. We've left 17 messages. We've texted you. We showed up at your house. We can't get a We can only conclude you want nothing to do with us. Therefore, If we do not hear back from you at this time, we are going to be exercising church discipline. And we have seen that, haven't we? I think of Muscle Shoals. This was 20 years ago. I remember they cleaned up the rolls of this church and they cleaned them. I mean, it was hundreds, if not over a thousand. So they went from like 2,500 people on the books down to about a thousand And everybody was in a panic. Yikes, what are we doing? Well, they cleaned the rolls and they did it in an orderly fashion. And they did it from a heart that actually cared about. We just want to know you're in a safe place. It's fine if you're not coming here. As long as you're in a sound church, we're cool. Let's just communicate. And after making extensive efforts, they finally disciplined a lot of folks. And guess what happened? Now, I could be off on these numbers. But now the church has like 3,500 people going. Why? Because you've got the people who actually want to be there, there. And it is for people's benefit to discipline them. If it reaches the degree of concern by the elders that you're not going to church ever, you bet. That is that is worthy of discipline. Please 
send affirmations or whatever you want to idea at wretched.org. All right. Well, this one comes from Jacob. Do you agree with me on that? Yeah, I think I, I do agree with that. Uh, and it's not done enough. It's, it's and you know, I get it. You keep them on the rolls because you can say we've got this many members. That That isn't spiritually healthy for anybody involved, including the people who are there. Mm. Let's just be honest about the roles. Who's coming? Who's not? And don't forget, primarily, this is about protecting the church because now you've got somebody. Let's just say you've got an individual who hasn't come to church now in two years. You've investigated it. Nope. They mow their lawn. They're going to work, but you just, they won't respond to you. Now you've got somebody who's a member of your church doing who knows what in public. And you could besmirch your church. You want to do that. Furthermore, it's for their safety. You're concerned about their soul. Somebody who never goes to church, that is a problemo. That's somebody who could be living in willful disobedience. We are commanded to not forsake the assembling of the saints. And if they're forsaking it willfully, constantly, yeah, that's church discipline time. Yeah, and that's a part of shepherding them. And you can't shepherd who's not there. That is a fact. That is a fact. We have... We have arrived at a place where church membership is viewed far too low. We really need to elevate the importance of church membership and church discipline, not because we're just mad and grabby. We might be, but because we care. Idea at wretched.org. Okay, this one comes from Jacob. Todd, I find myself deriving pleasure from sexual sin, indulging in images I know I shouldn't. It troubles me that I can't seem to hate it more or like it less. Though I look back at God's saving grace in my life, sometimes it feels like the only thing keeping me from giving up is that grace. Why do I struggle with this and how can I cultivate a stronger aversion to it? The answer to that is that you still have a carcass, an unredeemed flesh that still desires wrong things. How do you grow a greater love for holiness than you currently have for sinning? And the answer is found in Acts chapter two. This is this is just this is Christianity 101. And this is where you begin. This is where you graduate to. And this is where you end your life doing these things that the Bible prescribes you must do in order to grow. You'll find them in Acts 2, 42, 43, that you need to pray. You need to be reading your Bible. You need to be listening to sermons. You need to be going to church, fellowshipping with believers, and not just going to football games. I'm talking about you're spending time talking about what the Lord is doing in your life, what you've learned about him in the Bible, because you are then consuming Christ in another manner. You should be taking Lord's Supper. Make sure that your heart is set against this sin. Otherwise, you might be taking communion uh, to your detriment or even death, warns Paul. First Corinthians 11. So please do these things and just keep doing them. Now, having said that, might I suggest you focus on two attributes of God. You need to understand he doesn't like what you're doing. You're firing up that machine. You're looking at stuff. You're, 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 you're acting. I'm sorry. You're acting like a pervert. See, what would you say about a man that goes, well, not up to the, not under the property 
of the next door neighbor, but positions himself in such a way where he can see through the bedroom windows of the neighbors at night. You'd go, dude, seriously, that's what you're doing with a computer. It's the exact same thing. It's 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 really disgusting. You need to know that God sees it that way. Simultaneously, you need to understand that God's love for you, if you are in Christ, is so rich, so deep, even when you are acting like a porno, he loves you. You need both of those. So as you go about the business of listening to sermons, as you go about the business of reading your Bible, study those things. And might I suggest, I think this is something, especially in our era with short attention span, social media, all of that, you know, ADHD business. You got to stop and linger. Stop and think about it. I, 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 I've been going through Ephesians, I did Philippians, and now I think I'm into the second, third chapter of Colossians. And I'm noticing the attributes of God, the things that he gives to us, that he lavishly, super abundantly provides for us in Christ. Now, I can just whip through it and underline those words. Oh, there's grace, there's truth, there's everlasting life, there's hope, there's love. All of the, okay, cool, got it, Next. Or I can stop and think about it. Wait a second. You're telling me that God adopted me? Adopted me. Like, come on in. I want you in the family. I want you in the house. I want to spend time with you. What? You need to spend time thinking about the fact that God wants to spend time with you, grow in your understanding of the love of God for you in Christ Jesus. And it is going to help you in your battle for sin. Some practical things. You got to get somebody who can hold you accountable and don't play games. I, I will say this. If you're a dude who is wrapped up in porn and you even went as far, perhaps, to get somebody to hold you accountable, but the reality is you know how to finagle, get around it, lie, change your settings, what have you. You're not in the game. You have not even begun to fight. Encourage you to get finally free by Dr. Heath Lambert. It is awesome. Also, Passions of the Heart by Dr. John Street, another tremendously helpful book to help you engage, really engage and go to war against your sin of pornography. Because if you're not in the battle, that would be a really bad sign that you aren't adopted. This is Wretched Radio. And it is now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hanks, and we kick off today in the land of country music and hickory smoked barbecue, talking about Nashville, where Tennessee Governor Bill Lee has signed a bill which liberates teachers from the shackles of union dues while simultaneously giving their salaries a much-deserved lift. I'm from Tennessee, so I know that Governor Lee has been an enemy of public school teachers since his election. Clearly now he is making decisions to try to remedy that relationship. Meanwhile, our neighbors up north seem to be struggling with the definition of religious freedom. From Vancouver, Canada, a teenager was recently apprehended by law enforcement amidst a group of pro-transgender activists. What was his crime? Why was he apprehended? Why was he arrested? Well, he was handing out Bibles, and of course, Bibles are bad. At least they are in Vancouver, Canada. In this instance, on this day, 
Stark reminder that even in countries we consider free, the right to share our faith's not always guaranteed. Switching gears to baseball, we told you about the Los Angeles Dodgers hosting the anti-Catholic group Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence for an LGBT event at one of their upcoming games. Well, the call, as we said in the original story, was very controversial. They faced a lot of backlash, and now they've ousted the anti-Catholic group and said, nope, nope, we're, we're, we're not going to do this. So it seems like the Dodgers are playing more than just baseball. They're playing this tricky game they're never going to win. The U.S. State Department recently reported an alarming statistic. Religious persecution has risen in 200 countries. It's a grim grim news, but it's news that we all know and we all anticipate because even our Lord Jesus told us to be on the lookout for it. And it underscores the preciousness and the vulnerability of religious freedom. As believers, we're called to pray for and support our fellow believers who are being persecuted all over the world. So let's do just that. A shocking admission has emerged from a late-term abortion doctor who recently revealed that at least half of the babies he aborts are healthy. And it was just a casual, nonchalant acknowledgement on the doctor's part. And it's a heartbreaking reminder there is a true price to be paid, a human price to be paid in this ongoing war against abortion. Well, from Iran, there's a ray of hope amid the oppressive climate for Christians in that country. An unusual ruling has led to the release of a Christian couple from prison. The pair had been arrested for participating in a house church, and it was an unexpected turn of events and indeed an answer to lots of prayer. And that has been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible. The book of Daniel is about one man who submits to God above all else and God's faithfulness to his people in all circumstances. Daniel's prophetic visions teach us that God raises up and tears down kingdoms. All earthly kingdoms will pass away, but God will establish an everlasting kingdom. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Sorry if you hear a gurgling sound. This is Wretched Radio. I'm your all-new hydrated host, Todd. Sorry if I start to gurgle. I'm drinking more water than a fish. I don't know how much water fish drink, but I'm drinking more because, well, the doctor told me to. I got scolded, Jimmy. Yeah. You're yeah. not drinking enough water. So I went and got your circle thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. That you like. I haven't been able to figure out how to do it yet. I'll show but you. I'm working on it. Yeah. But I'm drinking water out of a red solo cup to hydrate my vocal cords. Well, you know, you're a performer, Todd. <laughs> so you have to keep them hydrated. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> no, you didn't ask him. Super nice lady. Very, very nice. And it was actually very helpful. Until she said, have you considered vocal exercises? And I said, oh, absolutely. And I've determined not a chance. <laughs> no, no. Just try this. Squeeze your lips together and go. <laughs> no, not going to do it. Other than that, it was super helpful. I just can't do that stuff. And then go up and down. <laughs> no, 
That works. Although I just did it, didn't I? You, you well, did. Yeah, see, <laughs> and now you agree with me. You affirm me and not the vocal woman person. I don't know what her title was. That doing those exercises is downright bonkers, but I'm being obedient and drinking the water. So there you Hey, speaking of doctors. For real? Really? Speaking of doctors, <laughs> well, it seems like a good time to talk about MediShare. If you have not investigated it yet for your family's health care needs, please visit MediShare.com slash wretched. Just go check it out. It could be the alternative to traditional insurance that you've been praying for. It is affordable biblical health sharing. You can also call them. They're nice. And they're hydrated. I've spoken to them. They, they are very hydrated people. <laughs> 1-844-34-BIBLE. It'll take you 120 seconds to find out what your family could be saving per month. So please, 844-34-BIBLE for MediShare. <laughs> Go ahead, Jimmy. I'm ready. I've got to start doing that. All right. This is from Anonymous who says, Todd, my spouse and I have a family. And our current living conditions are financially challenging. We're having to move from our home in a couple of months due to the owner selling the place we're renting. But this has caused a bit of tension and conflict in my marriage because yeah. I believe we should relo relocate to a more affordable area. My spouse insists on staying near her parents, which causes uh, a bit of financial strain in doing sure. so. So how do we navigate this? You know, that's money is it really does cause strain, doesn't it? In fact, if I recall, money is the number one reason that people give for D-I-V-O-R-C-E because it causes stress. It just does. And it alters the way that you engage with one another, both of you. So I would suggest some things first before making the decision and ultimately slapping down the male authority card. Because if it, at the end of a conversation that it cannot be brokered into a mutual agreement position, well, you can make the call, but you, you want to proceed slowly with that, especially in a situation like this. You're talking about moving your wife away from her parents. Now, you might have some strong feelings about that and think, you know what, that would be a really good thing. But remember, we husbands, we are to be serving our wives, nurturing, understanding our wives. And if it's her desire to, to live around her folks, I would work really hard to try to accomplish that. So perhaps, maybe just possibly, if you can't do this yourselves, it, it's gotten to the point where the temperature is just too hot. Could you bring in somebody to moderate the conversation and say, uh, dude, dial it back. You're sounding a little angry. Um, wife, you, you, can you pull this back? You're getting a little bit shrill. And you can then have a conversation about this to work through it and come up with a plan together. Work through. Okay, sweetheart, you want to stay near your parents? I am all about that. I am for you and I am for that. So how do we go about the business of not going in debt and filing for bankruptcy? Just I, I, I want to do it, too. What you want, I want. How do we do it? How do we accomplish that? And then you're pulling in the same direction. There could be alternatives you just haven't thought about, which is another reason to engage somebody in the conversation who might be able to say, wait a second, have you taken a look at what you're spending? Do you have a budget? Maybe we need to start there. Wait a second. You're going out to eat four times a week. 
well, what is that costing you? Well, these days, probably thousands a week. Have you seen the prices at the restaurants? And you could work on getting your money managed better. So all that to say, I would be really slow to just say, well, that's it. I'm making the decision. We're moving. Oof. You, When you have a stalemate, it's best to do nothing. It's best. Now, you say, but wait, the money issue. That is when you need to lovingly say to your spouse, look, I'm not going to try. I am not going to rip you out of your parental soil and move you to a new garden. I'm not going to do that to you. But we do need to be aware if we continue on our course, um, we might be without money. I just so let's just let's keep track of this. I'm with you. And that most of the time is enough to put an end to the stalemate. It's when you take it. You've decided moving is it. She's decided we got to stay. Well, there you have it. You got two heels dug in, probably four. And you're you're not able to even work through it. So I would encourage you, sir, first change your heart before your wife. Understand your wife. Desire to do the things that will please your wife and help her to flourish. Then bring somebody in if necessary. And I suspect by the time you do those things, you're probably going to come up with a solution because she might even soften. When, when she knows that you're for her, which we should, the wife should be for the husband, the husband should be for the wife. She's probably going to be able to say, you know, we need to really take a look at these numbers. This is where we, you're right. This is a problem. But if you're just coming at it like, how do I win this? Mm, usually both parties lose. Please send whatever to the well hydrated idea at wretched.org. Okay. This next one is from Miranda who says, Todd, I'm not one to consider leaving uh, my church all of a sudden, but as a mother of two, my pastor has shown a clear dislike for children, which has caused, uh-huh. caused me distress. I feel hurt by his attitude and the way he speaks about kids, but he refuses to engage in a conversation about it. So is is considering leaving the church an answer. Think you would do well to talk to some other folks inside of the church. When we see something that gets up our nose, we need this is and this is a super hard thing for all of us to do. I could have this. I might not be right on this. Is my perception of this correct? Don't turn it into a gab fest. Don't be gossiping. Don't use it as a chance to complain and all get together and gang up on the pastor. That is sinful and unfruitful. Are you perceiving it right? Maybe you could ask that person, do you know how to go about the business then, if that is the case, of discussing this with the pastor? Because it might be affecting more people in the church. So you got to start with your own heart, your own attitude, a desire to be wrong. That would be the ideal. And a desire then to lovingly fix a situation if it is indeed problematic or even sinful. Don't do it alone. Do it Do it with others in your church. This, th- And if a pastor is not willing to listen to reasonable Christians who say, hey, pastor, could we meet with you to talk to you about something? Now, I always think that it is so important with those types of meetings. You've got to spend time affirming him. 
You've got to spend some time showing we do respect your position and your authority. We are not doing this nilly-willy. We've prayed about it. We've studied the Bible about it. And we've thought that this is worthy of bringing it to your attention. Did you know that? when you And he might go, what? What? I, do, I had no idea. And you might find yourself having a very quick resolution, but your heart has to be set right. And if a pastor ultimately is just going to dismiss and blow off a number of people. Now, it depends on what the issue is. Then your next step would be to bring it to other elders to say, we're actually, this is what happened in the meeting. This is what he kicked us out of the office. Whatever it is, it can be elevated because a pastor, while being the one in authority, the elders being in authority, they still are not above authority. They're still under Jesus and his commands to not behave a certain way. And so it is right. And Paul talks about this. So he tells Timothy that the the young man who approaches the older man, do it as if he's your father. Do it respectfully and do it slowly. Be careful before you go about the business of correcting, rebuking your pastor. You've got to do it slowly. And there is a temptation that you will have to fight to avoid. Turning this into pick a little, dog a little, pick a little, dog a little, dog a little, big a little more. Jimmy, I could have hit that cheap, cheap, cheap note better <laughs> if I'd warmed up. <laughs> I'll work on that. <laughs> work on your heart. Work on studying your Bible on it. Re-listen to the things that he said. Could it be that you have it wrong? And if you think, no, we really do have a problem here, you're going to want to talk to others and then talk to your pastor. This is Wretched Radio. So you're not convinced of the importance of training men to rightly divide the word of truth and fill pulpits internationally? Fine. Then we'll let Paul Washer convince you. It is so important, not just important, it's absolutely essential to have a trained expositor of the scripture in every church. When we read through the book of Acts, we can see that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ, advances as the word of God advances. Would you please consider joining the Master's Academy International in filling empty pulpits with men who can exposit the scriptures and advance the kingdom of God It's a magnificent ministry with a generational impact. Please learn more about supporting TMAI at wretched.org slash pastor. Wretched.org slash pastor for the Master's Academy International. Hey, hey, thank you so much for listening to Wretched Radio today. Quick question. Do you remember the last time you donated to our ministry? Well, if you can believe it or not, we do. And it's your generosity that has helped us produce programs like Wretched, Road Trip to Truth, and Transformed. Would you please consider becoming an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel partner? Our goal of standing firm in the gospel and reaching millions of people has not changed, but the cost of doing so kind of has, and that's why we need your help on an ongoing monthly basis. At Gospel Partners Media, that's us. We believe in creating culturally compelling, biblically sound, and gospel-centered productions. We steward God's money as if eternity depended on it, because quite frankly, it does. We can't do this alone. We cannot. We're a nonprofit organization, so we rely on your kindness and generosity. Visit wretched.org slash donate or text the word wretched to the number 44321. Wretched. Amazing grace. 
amazing gospel. Sorry to ask you to do some arithmetic, but this is some math that will encourage you and make you very, very happy. This is one testimony of a mother who chose life because she saw her own baby, courtesy of an ultrasound from Preborn. I was terrified. I really didn't know what to do. The first time I saw the ultrasound, I was just amazed. I was like, oh my gosh, is that my baby? And I, like, I heard her heartbeat and I, I just, I just fell in love. If I could care about my daughter this much, if I could love my daughter this much, how much does God love me? Now take that one testimony and multiply it by 54,253 because that is the number of babies that were saved last year because of ultrasounds at preborn centers. Would you please help us grow that number by providing as many ultrasounds as possible at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. Titles of Christ. In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who he is and what he has done. Jesus is called our sanctuary. Through Christ, we find refuge from God's justice and find a safe haven where we can enter into the presence of the Holy God. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. It's been a bit. This is Wretched Radio. I'm muy grateful you send stuff to idea at wretched.org, but you like to talk. Well, we'd like to hear from you. 1-877-282-BEEP. 1-877-282. Mr. Friel, we live in a heavily blue state of Washington State. Ooh, and as more yes, and more laws keep getting passed, yep. we are seriously considering moving to a more conservative, friendly state, I would say. Do you have any advice for people like us who are considering moving somewhere kind of for political agenda slash the future of our children? Any advice, Todd? Thank you. Maybe I've thought about this, you know, just for research purposes, haven't we all? All right. If this keeps getting weirder... Where might we go? That was the original intention of the Founding Fathers. We live in the United States, which have authority at a local level because the Founding Fathers realized you might be in a zip code where people are getting wonky. You want to go find a place of like-minded people. There's nothing wrong with that, not just because the Founding Fathers thought so, but because there's nothing. Paul fled. There's for the good of your family, for spiritual safety. No, you are right to consider these things. Now, the question is, how do you go about doing it? I would say the key word in this is heart. You're going to have all kinds of conversations. You're going to start looking around at what state has a lower cost of living, but we can have a higher standard of living. All, all of that is is the functional stuff, which is important. But consider your heart. Why are you looking to do this? Because you want to make the decision as best you can without having wrong motives. And here's where it gets a little bit dicey. Fear might be one of those motives. Fear is good. Fear is your friend if it isn't controlling you. So if you're genuinely like, hey, I am concerned about this. This is something that needs to be addressed. I need to get my family to a safe place. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that. If your fear is motivated on a lack of trust and faith in God, well, then you got to work through that. It doesn't mean you stop considering it, but you need to make sure 
that your heart and your motivations are right. So take your time, think it through, know that it is a very big deal to move your family, which is why if you are going to do that, and I believe a Christian family is not sinning if they make a decision to move to, I don't know, a northern suburb in Georgia where there's a good church that is going to be planted. (laughs) Make sure you got one of them. They're good churches. If you're going to do it, Find your church first. And there's a number of reasons for that. First, you might be delusional like we were. We came from Minnesota. When we visited Atlanta to see, is this where we want to uproot and move the family for ministry reasons? We saw nothing but little evangelical Baptist churches. You can't swing a dead cat without hitting one of them. And we thought, no problem. Where we chose to move the house we wanted, there were like 30 churches. Certainly, there's got to be a good church out of, (laughs) nope. The Lord was kind to us, found one about two weeks in, courtesy of a brother who said, you should go look at that church. It was a bit of a drive, but if we had to do it all over again, we'd find the church first. Then we'd move. You say, is it really that important? Yes. For all of the aforementioned reasons over the course of the last 25 years, we've talked about the importance of the local church plus your kids. You're going to be uprooting them. That 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 park that they loved, it's gone. Their friends, gone. The, the, the restaurant that gives you free ice cream, gone. It's going to be a, a challenge for you. So make sure you have your church picked out before you pull the trigger. And if you happen to be in the northern burbs of Atlanta and you're Willing to participate in the planting of a really sound church. May 31st is our next meeting. Would you like to come? We'd love to see you. Simply send a note to Dan at GospelPartnersMedia.org. Dan at GospelPartnersMedia.org. May 31st, 7 p.m. Lavazza. We're not messing around with this Starbucks business. You can build a church on coffee. <laughs> you certainly can. You get and some do, frankly. So we thought, well, we can play that game, but... <laughs> Starbucks. We're going to town. If we could afford it, we'd do Illy. But that stuff is crazy. Have you seen that stuff in the... Are you a coffee consumer? I am not. Consumer? I am not. No. Cof- no, coffee connoisseur. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the Illy coffee, there's a reason Italians keep drinking it. It's good, but it comes in this little can. It's like 12 ounces, and it's 16 bucks. Well, I haven't looked at it for a long time because it's just... Out of our league, but it's probably even more than that. It's like, come on, Italians, share the gold, would you? And please share your thoughts by calling 1 282 Beep, 1 282. Todd, I had a question. I was listening to a podcast on gossip. You know, I come home from work and I confide in my wife and some of the frustrations and struggles I've had with someone at work, maybe. Um, what, is that gossip? Um, should I not be doing that? Or is it the nature and how I say it that, that can make it gossip? Could you, I'm curious about your opinion on um, confiding in your spouse with frustrations with people and, and how much of that can we voice and it's gossip or not gossip? Uh, you know, I Jimmy, do you have any idea what this man is talking about? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> here's, here's, here's a good way to know why you are speaking about somebody else to your spouse. This is, the, I don't know your heart. You're, you're onto it, sir. It really is about the heart. 
why am I talking about this person? Now, here's the temptation, I think, for men. You've been agitated during the day. Something didn't go right. There's a a frustration. You bring it home and you want to unburden yourself with that to have others bear that burden with you. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if it's just I got a dump about this because I'm agitated, oh, then then you've probably crossed the line. If, however, it is something that is genuine and it's like, honey, I need to talk to you. I need your wisdom. Here's the situation at work. Now, how do you know which one you are? Here's my suggestion. When you pull into the garage, put that concern in the glove box and leave it there overnight. And if it's there the next day when you get home, then you're probably on the right side of the emotional spectrum that you are motivated because it's just genuinely something where I need to talk it through, work it through with my spouse. If it's not something, if the next day it like comes and goes, then it probably would have been gossip. And might I just add this? Gentlemen, I get it. The desire to do that. If if you probably don't even know that you're doing that a lot. You just come home. It's it's it was rough out there. And you just want to blop. Be careful that you don't unnecessarily burden your wife because she's going to if it's weighing heavy on you, it's going to weigh heavier on her. And and you know this, it's one thing to take abuse or to be frustrated by somebody. It's another thing to see that happen to a loved one. Okay, what do you think you're doing? And you could cause your wife to sin, be agitated, worry, lose sleep. So when you pull into the garage, Sorry, I know this. I don't exactly have a Bible verse for this, but it's time to play the man. Play the, you're pooped, you're exhausted. Play the man. Be strong, courageous. Suck it up, buttercup. Get in and do your most important job. And that means bearing your own burdens maybe a little bit more than you have been doing heretofore. 1 282. So I have a friend who is in her late 30s and she works in the pro-life movement. She's a very dedicated person to the cause. However, she dropped a bombshell on some friends and I uh, (laughs) and basically shared with us her desire to adopt a child. But not just adopt a child, she's going to be doing in vitro fertilization Mm. and she's going to carry the child herself. Mind you, she is not married and according to her, there's no one even like in the picture at all. But uh, she said that the Lord made it clear to her that mm. it's just time. And she mm. said that the Lord's been very clear. Mm. So honestly, this mm. does not seem the least bit wise to me and I'm concerned. So I would love to get your thoughts on this from a Christian perspective and the pro-life perspective um, on this issue. Thank you. Yeah, might I suggest this is a issue that we have resolved for us in the book of Genesis. God made it clear, a man and a woman coming together for the sake of procreation. That's it. He's written the rules. Now, I do not want to sound like a long-distance jerk. I don't know the woman's history. I don't know why she's single. But we have to look at this issue the way that God paints it for us. If you're going to have children, you got to be married. And no matter how they come about, whether it's adoption, in vitro, if there isn't a mom and a dad... I don't think we should be doing it. Now, I I get it. You say, well, wait a second, though. This is uh, if, if, if this if this woman doesn't adopt this child, that child won't. I get it. I understand that. 
But that's when we have to submit and bow to the Lord's rules. One man, one woman having children. And if that box isn't checked, then you can't go to the next box. And God would not speak to this woman and contradict himself. He wouldn't override what he has already established for us. And the history of the planet shows that's really how we've been doing it. A mom and a dad must be in the picture. Otherwise, I'm going to have to wait, deliver that information more sensitively than I just did. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.